hopefully uh, everyone is doing okay uh, this morning. As we get closer and closer to Christmas, we, of course, start singing more and more Christmas songs, which I really enjoy. Um, so especially because when you're a kid, there's a lot of big words in those songs you don't really get. And as you get older, you're like, oh, I can kind of understand kind of what this song is saying in some cases. But that third song that we sang this morning, We Three Kings, is going to connect a little bit to the lesson today. As you can already see, Star of Wonder is the title. It is a part one. We will have part two next week, um, kind of two-part Christmas lesson, if you will. Um, but I wanted to, we're going to play with that word a little bit today, that word wonder, and also that word star, as you'll see. But I love that, that line in the song that says, oh, one, oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. <clears throat> and here in Isaiah chapter 9 is where we will start. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You skip down to verse six. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, and Christmas is one of those unique holidays uh, where it's celebrated not just by Christians, but also by people alike, um, non-religious and religious alike. It's uh, Not all holidays are like that. And what, you, what ends up happening is you get two celebrations of two very different uh, meanings, two very different themes, two very different events. Um, and and one, of the, one of the things that, that is cool about Christmas, I've you know, are, are the traditions. And a lot of people have different traditions. Uh, something I found out about recently that was kind of cool is maybe you guys have seen this Little Tykes nativity scene, but I've heard of like hide the baby Jesus, right, with your kids and different things like that. But one of the cool traditions I learned about recently was if you put the nativity scene in the house and then as as the week goes on closer and closer to Christmas, the, the wise men or the shepherds get a little bit closer uh, every day. And, and then it's a little bit more of a conversation with the kids about uh, how, it's, you know, there's building anticipation toward this. And of course, Jesus appears there on December 25th. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Uh, you know, logging some different ideas away here. Um, you know, so that way when, when Jenny, Jenny wakes up in the morning, I can move those pieces a little bit closer. No, just kidding. Not just for Jenny, but for our, our family uh, kids as well. But also maybe for Jenny. I don't know. But I thought it was a cool idea uh, that I, this, this, this uh, these different things that mean different uh, things to us here as Christmas gets closer. But the wonderful and interesting thing is that we do have everybody in the country, really, not everybody, but a lot of people uh, celebrating this holiday, but with two very different meanings, as I said. One of the things that, 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 that both have in common is this emphasis on lights. You know, you drive around Charlottesville or Harrisonburg, I'm sure you can find those cool neighborhoods, right, with the really wonderful light uh, displays. Um, and, you know, lights are, 
lights are really powerful. I think it's one of the reasons is because in the Mediterranean, this time of year obviously is the darkest time of year. And for most of the world, it's it's a dark time of year. And so lights are very important. And here in Isaiah chapter nine, it's what verse two kicks off with, is the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And this, this verse is a verse that is interpreted to really be talking about uh, the Messiah and who will come to establish the Lord's reign on earth. And it says that he comes to a world that is full of darkness. Well, what does darkness mean? Darkness in the Bible really means two things. One is it means evil, that Jesus was entering into a world of evil, of broken families and violence and hatred and generational dysfunction and trauma emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, psychological, and otherwise. Sounds not so different than our world today. It can mean evil, but darkness can also mean ignorance. Um, Darkness can also mean ignorance, that you don't don't know what you don't know, right? And when you're you're in the darkness, um, sometimes, right, you... uh, you got to find the light first, but if, if you don't know where the light is or if you have a misunderstanding of what the light source could be, it could be really, really awful. You know, if one of the things that the world does every year at Christmas, uh, you know, obviously we look forward to Christmas and one of the things the world kind of does, if you, you can read this in any number of newspapers, right? But once this time of year comes around, you can read it online or a newspaper. Basically, the, the idea is, hey, listen, I know the world is dark. I know things are bad out there, but hey, just cheer up for a bit. Christmas is here. Everyone just cheer up. And if we just band together as humans, we can really accomplish this thing. We can be unified. We can achieve peace on earth. Uh, We can be able to uh, find the light together. Uh, The the, the problem is, is that the Isaiah 9 does not say that humankind's found the light among themselves. It says, no, a light has come upon the earth. A light has been given to us. The light cannot come from us. The light has to come from somewhere else. And one of the, one of the issues with Christmas is that Christmas in the world is, hey, just cheer up. Let's kind of ignore the fact that there's darkness out there. But when Jesus comes to the world, light, uh, one of the things that light does is it exposes. And so Christianity is not about ignoring the darkness. Christianity is about recognizing the darkness that there is darkness out there and it is bad, but there is a light and it is good. That is what Jesus is all about. You know, thinking about this idea of light, you know, light is, is a very important thing. This is a, an ancient wonder uh, of, the, of the world. Uh, it's the great lighthouse of Alexandria. And because we're playing with that word wonder this morning, so great, you know, wonder of the ancient world. But the, 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 this light, lighthouses in ancient times were so important. If you can imagine being on a ship in, in the darkness, trying to find a harbor, trying to find land, um, it was, they, 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 it's probably resulted in any number of catastrophes. But what they figured out is if they could put fire really high up in the sky, that it could kind of act as a beacon to draw people to where they need to go. Uh, and in, in ancient times, it really was just fire. Just let's just light this fire in this really tall tower so that people can find their way home. And that's what Christmas is really truly about, is rediscovering the true light, the real light of what is that light that's going to 
not just give our lives meaning and purpose, but everyone in the world uh, really rediscovering that true purpose. Um, and when you're in the darkness, right, you need only to turn on the light. And the, the, that's the issue of this morning is how do we do that? You know, we're going to go through the four names given to Jesus here in Isaiah 9. Not today. We're going to actually save three for next time. Uh, we're going to just look at one name of, of Jesus here this morning from Isaiah uh, chapter chapter 9. But one of the most powerful things about this passage is when he gets into the names there. Let's see, it's verse, uh, verse 6, right? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And uh, one of the things about the world is that when the world looks for this light and they look for this wonderful counselor, which is what we'll talk about this morning, um, they, they often think that it comes in the form of an idea or it comes in the form of this, this, new, this new thing that they learned. And I don't, it's actually funny, we were, we were, I was talking with a brother recently about how for thousands of years, in order to get information, get knowledge, get instruction, you had to go to people older than you. And we have an interesting thing now with the advent of the internet is kind of all this knowledge is at your fingertips. And so it can be easy to think you've found the, goal, uh, the holy grail of knowledge just by going on the internet, right? You can find this thing and go, wow, this is it. This, is, this teaching will give me everything I need, everything I want. And in a lot of ways, it's easier than ever um, to get advice, to get knowledge, to think that we have found the idea to bring um, us to meaning, to bring us to peace, to, to be able to bring unity in our country and unity in our world. And if there's ever a, a year where we felt less unified, ever a year where we felt less at peace, um, I don't think peace is a word that a lot of us would use to describe 2020. And I think the reality is, is that it's all well and good to try to say these ideas will bring happiness. These idea of government, um, capitalism, communism, democracy, um, liberalism, conservatism. These ideas will bring happiness. These ideas will make us all good. If we could just all have more stuff, um, we could all just have more things. If we can all just have more money. If we can all can just have more education then we will actually be able to achieve happiness. You know, there's a, a guy who was the president of Czechoslovakia and he, his name was Vaclav Havel. And he says this, pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. A turning to and seeking of God is needed. Humanity needs a constant reminder that they are not God. And I was really challenged by this because I began to think, yes, I need that constant reminder. It's so easy to forget and it's easy just to get excited about this new thing. And even as we head into a new year, it's easy to think, oh, 2020 will just be behind us and we'll, we'll move on and everything will be better or we'll go back to normal or we'll have a new fresh start or people have changed. Or... But the, the reality is, is that if we do not remind ourselves that we are not God and we cannot create that light for ourselves, we have to go find that light outside of humanity, then no matter what we do, democracy is a great system of government, right? So are a lot of others. But if we don't turn to God, 
These things will only lead us down the paths, the bloody paths of the 20th century, like the Holocaust, like World War II, like the mass genocide that happened all over the world. Ideas and abstract, these abstract notions are dangerous because at the end of the day, you can just fit them to kind of uh, uh, fit your own selfish desires, your own selfish ends. That's why it's so crucial that we find that truth outside of us. And in the news all the time, year after year after year, hey guys, Christmas is coming. Let's cheer up. It's not so bad. Actually, let's not cheer up that Christmas is coming. Let's be reminded of how dark the world really is. Because then the light, the true light, will be able to shine all the brighter. And it doesn't help anyone to just kind of say, hey, buck up or cheer up. No, Thomas mentioned this earlier, right? Where's your Christmas spirit? Like, I got, I feel like I felt in August, right? Like, we, the traditions are great and all these things are great, but hopefully they're great because they remind us of the true light, the true wonder. Uh, and we're going to go through that idea this morning is he is a wonderful counselor. You know, that idea of, the idea of wonderful in the Hebrew is really the word has to do with wonderful or awe-inspiring or beautiful. You know, when something is beautiful, you just stare at it because it's beautiful, Right? You're not like, oh, I can use this thing or I can get some practical application. But when, you, when something is beautiful, you just stare at it because it's, it's beautiful. I remember playing basketball in high school, just a pickup game. And I was playing with my friend who ended up going to college to actually play football, great athlete at the University of Kansas. And after we finished, one of the people watching was like, man, I could just watch Willie play basketball all day. Like he's, he's just a beautiful basketball player. And I was kind of sitting there like, what'd you think of me? You know, like... I didn't get any such compliment. You know, I'm more like a blunt force object probably playing sports. But, but when something's just beautiful, I guess I could just watch him play basketball. I, just, I could watch that. I could just look at that painting. I could just stare at that sunset for hours. Like when something is beautiful, you just appreciate it for its beauty and it has power in its beauty. Jesus is a wonderful, a beautiful counselor. He's beautiful, but he's also a counselor. Why a counselor? Because he gives us advice when we need it most. Jesus is the great, the great giver of advice. And that's the, that's the aspect I wanted to focus on today. We're going to talk about Jesus being the light next week as well in different ways. But today I want to talk about Jesus being the light in the sense of the light that provides guidance, the light that provides advice, the light, the light that provides direction uh, in our lives. And in, in, in 2020, it's, it's even easier to stop getting advice, it's to stop getting guidance from the true light. You know, even the phrase getting advice sometimes we don't, maybe some of us don't like the phrase getting advice. Um, and yes, the term has been used sometimes maybe and wielded in ways to, to you know, that, that probably isn't humble. Um, but getting advice is, is, is so, so, so important because getting advice innately reminds us that we are not the light. Getting advice is saying, I know I'm not the light. I need to find out the direction from my life and going to Jesus is the only way to actually get that direction. And so for some of us, I want to encourage us this morning is when's the last time that we got advice? You know, some of the biggest decisions in my life um, have been made clear through getting advice from Jesus, getting advice from others, actually, specifically times when I felt like I actually couldn't find out God's will in my own quiet times was made very clear and getting advice from other people. Um, and, and he is a wonderful counselor. You look, at, look at what John says 
in his epistle in 1 John 1. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son and Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And what's John doing? John is basically swearing a testimony, an oath in front of a court, right? We have known the word of life. And the beautiful thing about Christianity, about Christ, is that we don't just have these abstract ideas Right? It's not just a, it's not a religion where you come and go, oh, you know what you got to do? You got to practice personal peace. You know what you got to do is you got to practice these things and then you'll, then you'll be okay. If you practice these things, then you'll be happy. If you can practice meditation, oh, then you'll be able to get rid of pain. If you can practice, that is not what Christianity is about. It is the only religion, the only faith in the entire world where we don't have an idea as our truth. We have a person as our truth. And that is so much simpler, not just to be able to go look at what Jesus did. That's what John is saying. John's saying, I, we touched him. We ate food with him. We listened to him. He is our truth. And Jesus is our truth that we get to go to him and see him. In, in the, he is the manifold wisdom of God. What else is powerful about the idea that God came to the earth in Jesus to be that truth? is that he was born in the most inauspicious and poverty-stricken and desperate way possible. It says that there is no room for Jesus to be born at the inn. Probably what that means is the guest room. There was no room for Jesus in the guest room in the Cataluma. So they put him in the space for animals there on the left. They put Jesus, uh, they put Joseph and Mary rather, in the space for animals to be born in a space where animals live. And not only that, he would not be placed in a bed or a cradle. He would be placed in a manger, in a feeding trough. Um, A woman named Dorothy Sayers, who's a British essayist, says, the incarnation, basically Jesus becoming man and being born in the way that he was, the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to let us fall, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death, He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole human experience from the trivial irritations of life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain all for us and thought it was well worth his while. You know, the the beautiful thing, we talked about why is Jesus beautiful and why is Jesus good at giving advice? You know, the one thing you want when you go for advice, you want relatability. You know, one of the things you see, like when you meet someone new and actually they, they teach this to investigators, investigators who have to interview people who've experienced trauma in their past life and probably don't want to talk about it because they've been hurt or violated or, or had violence upon them in some way, one of the things the investigators are taught to do is to establish common ground with the interviewee. Establish common ground so that you can then 
have their walls kind of come down. And for all of us, that's the most important thing when we, when we get advice is we want somebody who's walked the path before. And what an interesting year to be able to just think, man, we want somebody who's walked the path before, the path of loneliness, the path of depression, the path of feeling lost, the path of feeling angry, the path, the path of grieving, grieving the loss of maybe things we thought would happen, grieving the loss of those who've been killed this year through injustice, through violence. What, a, what else do we need than to go to the one who can relate? That Jesus chose to come to the earth and be beautiful. You know, Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas says, Isaiah calls him the wonderful counselor, which means he's beautiful. And perhaps now we get a glimpse of why he is. He had the infinite highness of being the mighty God, yet he became one of us and meshed in our condition in order to know our darkness. He saved us by going to the cross and he did it all voluntarily, freely out of sheer love. That is beautiful. When we find something beautiful, not just duty, we dwell on it and stand before it because it is satisfying in itself. And so the reason we should obey him, not simply because we have to, but also because we want to, is that in light of all he is and has done for us, he is wonderful. You know, Jesus is not just someone that we should go to. He's someone that we should want to go to, right? Like we talked about when something is beautiful, you want to look at it. You want to go to it. And one of the great things about Christmas is that that's what I feel every year is that desire. I want to go back to Jesus. I I don't want to be someone who, you know, leads a church because it's my job or is a disciple because, oh, that's where my friends are or just do it because I'm used to it. I mean, what a horrible, excruciating existence. And And at times I've been in that place, to be honest. But how refreshing is it when we get to go back to Jesus at the end of every year? Go back to Jesus at the end of every year and just be able to find out and remind ourselves that we are not God. The reason we came to him in the first place is because he inspires us. He leads us. He is the reason for all this. And no matter what happens going forward, we have Jesus, the wonderful counselor. You know, he is better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Proverbs 27, 10 says a great verse on on getting advice. You know, what, what does the passage mean? It means better have a neighbor nearby than a relative far away because the neighbor can relate. The neighbor's in your situation. The neighbor gets what's going on. And Jesus is a wonderful counselor because he is that neighbor nearby. You know, Isaiah was looking forward to a great king. Um, but that king would look differently than, than, than Israel thought. Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we have been healed. Church, he is the great counselor because he can relate. He is the wonderful counselor because he is beautiful. He can understand what we're going through, but he also reminds us of who we really are. 
He reminds us that we don't need things to be happy. He reminds us that we don't need sex to be happy. He reminds us that we don't need power to be happy. He reminds us that we don't need to get our way to be happy. He reminds us that all we need is him. All we need is to get reconnected with our father, our family, for we are all his offspring. He is a wonderful counselor. One of the verses in We Three Kings, as we close out with this thought, one of the verses is, myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrow, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone cold tomb. One of the great things about Christmas songs is a lot of them don't just talk about Jesus's birth. They also mention his death because that is many, much of the reason why he came was to be a sacrifice for us, that he considered us, he considered us beautiful to do what he did. And you know, he is a wonderful counselor, but we are also wonderful counselors. Lighthouses for a long time were just fires and they didn't actually go that far. The light couldn't travel that far. But once in the 18th century, lenses, glass lenses were discovered. They found that they were able to direct and guide the light in a lighthouse exponentially further to be able to help people find their way home. One of the things about us and our, our purpose here on earth is not just to go back to Christ, yes, go back to Christ, but to remind ourselves too that we are wonderful counselors. And you go, me, Drew, little old me, I'm, I'm not wonderful, I'm not beautiful, I'm not a counselor, I, I don't know, I'm just trying to get along here. But the great thing is, is that we, aren't, we don't have to be the source of light, we're, we're just the lens. But if we can go to Jesus, we're actually able to be better for each other. We can give wonderful advice to each other. We can give great guidance to each other. We can speak up to each other when we see sin. We can speak up to each other when we see someone do something wonderful and incredible and build them up, that we can actually go further and do, do more than we ever thought could be imagined. When we're actually able to see the wonderful counselor. And can you imagine a church? Can you imagine us next year? Where, where before, and, and I, don't, I don't want any of this like when things are back to normal in June or the vaccine comes. No, can you imagine our church in January where people are open to getting advice, where people are seeking God's will in their quiet times, when people are seeking God's will through one another and getting advice from their family group leader, getting advice from their friends, getting advice from their kids. Hey kids, how are mom and dad doing? Can you imagine a church where we are all open to getting help, where we are all seeking the real guidance, the real truth from Jesus, but also from each other. Oh, that would just be crazy. It would be, dare I say it, wonderful to be able to have a church where you don't have to think, oh, should I speak up? Should I share this thing? No, they're already asking you for advice. They're already asking you for help. They've initiated discipling. They've initiated advice. If we're all initiating those things just a couple times, just a little bit, what would the church look like? And I think it would be wonderful. It would be beautiful. And we'd be able to all help each other find the real source of light, to find Jesus. And church, I pray that the next few weeks for you isn't a burden. I pray it's not overwhelming but I pray that it's refreshing and that just like those three kings, that we can look and find that, that light, that perfect light and be drawn to it so that we can be lights as well. Let's go ahead and pray and we will close out our service. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, 
visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.